Hello, stoned apes and others who are curious about the healing powers of psychedelic medicines. Welcome to the Stoned Ape Reports. I'm your host, Stuart Preston. Each episode, I talk to another stoned ape, somebody who has experienced the transformational powers of psychedelics, or with a practitioner who works with these medicines. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Caitlin, who shares her story of a growing relationship with South American plant medicines in a story of accidentally taking 300 hits of LSD. We talked addiction, grief, and much more. Please enjoy this episode with Caitlin. Okay, Caitlin, thank you so much for, for joining me here on the uh, Stone Dave Reports. I'm really excited. I know you and I have communicated back and forth for a while now, and you've been on some amazing uh, experiences and journeys, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. So thanks for uh, joining me here. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't you share a little bit about, about your background, you know, maybe your Stone Dave story, what, what led you to the medicine and, and what, you know, have your experiences been like and, and what are the outcomes? I mean, how, how have these medicines, you know, helped you in your life? Well, to start, I've, I've been interested in psychedelics from a very young age. Since the time I heard of what LSD or mushrooms were, I was seeking them out. I was looking for them. I was adopted when I was born. I was also deaf mm-hmm. when I was born. So I had a whole childhood full of surgeries in and out of the hospital for pneumonia and whatnot. Just a life full of trauma. I lost my mom when I was 16. Oh. And around that time is when psychedelics came into my life. And I had no idea that there was any healing involved with them. I just knew that I felt drawn to them and they helped me feel better. And along the lines, you know, I kind of got involved with opiates for a while in my teenage years, Mm -hmm. kind of drowning out all of the traumas. And I was introduced to DMT in my early 20s. And, you know, the first time that I smoked it, I decided to leave opiates behind forever. Wow. It was was a big struggle, but I knew it was just the beginning. That was when I realized that there is the healing capacity for psychedelics. And then I realized that I have traumas that need healed. So a couple years after that, a friend of mine, he had this vision of me. He was, I was in my garden with my plants surrounding me and light was coming out of my forehead. And he painted, he live painted this painting at Cosm and I had no idea what the plants were. I really wanted them to be mimosa or marijuana. And you know, it took about a year and a half. I asked him. He, for some reason, never told me. And then I had a really large experience. I had accidentally taken 300 hits of LSD. What? Yeah. I was at this party, and people were passing around this vial, and they were just talking about how old it was, that it wouldn't do anything. And I was, you know, I had a few drinks, and I was like, oh, let me see that. <laughs> And I hadn't taken LSD in a couple years at this point. I was, in a sense, feeling like I was moving away, like growing up, in a sense, mm-hmm. away from psychedelics. And hmm. I was in the, you know, broken through to the fifth dimension for over 24 hours. And wow. at point, I felt like, you know, my friend, he was this textile salesman in Peru, and he looked at me and he told me that I need to come home to Peru. And I had never even heard of Peru at that point in time, never thought about it. And it just, you know, I started researching. I was going to go volunteer. I was going to do weaving work. And a few days after that, 
this couple from Peru came to Pittsburgh and they had this seminar about ayahuasca and they were starting this retreat center, just wanted to share information and it really resonated with me in a big way and it was Peru. So it just seemed so perfect and it took me about a month after that to realize that the plants surrounding me in this painting were actually ayahuasca. Wow. So all of these signs were just pointing that I needed to go to Peru. And also during this time, it was a very traumatic year for me. I had lost two cats, two dogs, both my grandfathers in a six and a half year relationship. Mm. And I was, I was depressed. It was like, I've had a hard life, but for some reason this year stood out as harder than most. And yeah. You know, once I like started really strongly feeling that call to Peru, I quit my job. I bought a plane ticket and you know, I went and worked with the Shipibo family for a while and sold my whole life and kind of just started traveling back to and forth from Peru. Wow. And so most, you know, I guess uh, younger years tried some psychedelics and then later you had this uh, 300 hits. Uh, is there anything that came out of that? I mean, I know you, you said you're in the fifth dimension for 24 hours with the 300 hits, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to go down a, a trip report on, oh, how, how crazy was it? But when you came out of that, what did you think? Well, I felt relieved for the first time in months. You know, it was yeah. a difficult time. And like, I really felt like I had cleared out some cobwebs and it showed me like truly who I was. And I, you know, I had... I was seasoned veteran psychedelics, but this experience, it just like blew the lid off and it showed me like how I could heal myself. I found God in a Herkimer diamond and, you know, I found the secret to life, which it was actually through the body of a mentally challenged person because they're just pure happiness and pure bliss. And I knew that I was on this journey to get to the point of pure bliss. Hmm. To the innocence that you know people are not so lucky to just have yeah and then you got called down to peru you saw you saw the seminar connected um and, and went down to peru and, and you've you've been there a few times right five times yeah five five times and you go you don't go just for a 10-day a ceremony you go for extended periods of time yeah, I started out going for a month, and then I'd go for two months, and then it was six, and then eight. Uh, the last eight time was actually one of the shortest times of almost three months. So, Wow. And so what are you doing for that whole time? I know that, you know, when I talk to other people and friends that go down to the jungles for the journeys, you know, you, you hear about the experience of, you know, one night ayahuasca, night off, night ayahuasca, night off, maybe San Pedro, night off. But you're not doing that for eight months, are you? Uh, not necessarily. I go through periods of time where I do do that. Like if mm -hmm. I'm facilitating, um, you know, there'll be retreat after retreat for a couple months. So I'm getting deep into it at that point. But mostly I'm doing isolated plant dietas, which is where you take time in isolation. You use ayahuasca to open up the dieta. Mm -hmm. You use it to get messages from the plants in the dieta and to close it. But it's really just isolating yourself with a plant to nurture your relationship with it and to have yourself healed or just have that plant ally by your side. And what, what plants are you talking about? 
Um, so the last plant that I dieted in the jungle was Niwe Rao, which is the tree of life. Um, you know, there's Bobinsana, Ahosacha, they're master teacher plants. Mm-hmm. So they're plants that, you know, Ahosacha, for example, it teaches through dreams. So when you're drinking this tea, it doesn't have any psychedelic effects, but every time you lay your head down, the dreams are just unreal. And hmm. in my dreams with Ahosacha, I was... I asked the plant, where should I go? What should I do? And all I got was Ecuador. And, you know, I just kind of tucked that away. Just, I didn't really want to go to Ecuador. Hmm. But six months later, I got a message from a friend inviting me to go work with a tribe in Ecuador, the Sequoia tribe. Mm -hmm. And yeah, these plants, they just, they lead you in the direction you're supposed to go to. They bring you closer to yourself and just... Yeah, open up healing for yourself and to be able to share with others as well. Wow, interesting. I, I really hadn't heard of that. When I hear dieta or, you know, dieta, um, to me, it's always meant the, the preparation for an ayahuasca ceremony. And in, in your experience, it's different, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the dieta before ayahuasca, that's more of a modern thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of giving you the best, the purest vessel to go into drinking ayahuasca. Um, right. You know, there are some things that interact, like different foods, like eating avocados or overripe bananas or red meat. And those are good to avoid just because they can interfere with the medicine itself. And in a way, the dieta is similar because you, with this dieta, you don't eat salt, you don't eat sugar, you don't eat meat, you're pretty much eating rice, potatoes, sometimes fish. It has to be Hmm. fish without teeth. Um, Hmm. You're trying to strip away everything, like anything that would bring any type of pleasure into your life, you get rid of just so you can focus on the plant. And in a way, it's similar with the the ayahuasca pre-dieta, just Mm -hmm. to have a pure vessel to have the medicine work through you. Okay. And in your your times here, I I know you mentioned um, some pretty big things. I mean, being born deaf, which I, which I find fascinating and the, the horrors of all the surgeries and then losing your mom at, uh, geez, what an age to lose your mother, you know, the, the trauma with that. Is there anything you can share about how the plant medicines have helped you with that trauma, helped you uncover the trauma, helped you understand it? You know, anything, you know, any anecdotal story you, you feel like sharing about, medicines and and working through that trauma yeah it's more than anything it's about bringing these traumas to light just seeing them for what they are and kind of working through that process you know like when i was younger i just i was an emotional mess like i didn't know what was going on and the psychedelics they kind of put it right there in front of you to see and it's a Mm -hmm. pretty uncomfortable process for most of it but once you see things, it's easier to release them and to, you know, have friends to talk through and, you know, therapists, whatever. And yeah. Yeah. It kind of points it out and says, here's what you've got to work on. Definitely. Kind of shines a light on that. Absolutely. And there's not one experience in particular that really stands out to me. It's all of them combined. Um, It's just me going on my journey. Like, you know, I was told in a ceremony one time that I was meant to carry plants like back and forth between Peru and the United States. And, mm. 
And that was terrifying to me. I, you know, was thinking in my mind, was it ayahuasca until a year later, I'm packing my suitcase full of medicinal plants, like anti-cancer plants, um, you know, plants, plants for inflammation and what have you. And, you know, it's, I'm being healed by these plants and now I'm being called to share them with other people to heal. And for me, that is huge medicine. That's huge. Yeah. Um, Wow, what an honor, I'll say, to that. That's really incredible. Um, Thank you. you, What I hear from a lot of people, and they tell their stories, is that, uh, you know, they'll go through a a ceremony or an individual personal journey or a series of ceremonies, like an ayahuasca type of thing, and they, they learn some lessons, and then they have to work on integrating those lessons, you know, and just like you would with psychotherapy, right? You have an epiphany and you have to, you can't just say, Oh, I'm, I'm fixed. You got to work on it with what you're talking about. The medicines as, as, as part of your life and all these long-term accesses, how, how does integration work with the way that you are experiencing plant medicines? Well, for me, it's just about reaching out to my community. And, you know, when I came back from Ecuador almost two years ago now, I had the grounding project of starting the Psychedelic Club of Pittsburgh. That was Mm -hmm. my integration, setting up integration circles for people, just bringing the community together so we can all feel heard and seen and, yeah, integrate all of our experiences. Nice. So you build a community and then everybody can work on, on their integration together. Absolutely. And, you know, I just, um, it's not something I wanted to go through alone. I needed, I felt like I needed a community as much as the community needed one as well. Yeah. Well, that's great. And then you've done a lot of big help then creating that group and and the groups within that group for everybody to get help with. I'm doing my best. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Um, and, And I guess the fact that you're talking to me and that you, uh, you started this group and you started some other things, you know, as I know, um, you're, you're pretty open about your work with the medicines. Have you dealt with any stigma, any pushback, you know, from, from family, um, from friends, you know, coworkers or anybody that's kind of looked cross-eyed at you and said, Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, any, have you dealt with any of the stigma that might come along with, with psychedelics? Surprisingly not. Um, I thought that I would with my family, but they have seen the transformation that's happened with me from psychedelics and they are, they're happy. Yeah. Uh, My work is also very supportive of the work I do. You know, I had to take time off for the conference last year and different community events. And, you know, the fact that it's moving forward with medicine, that MAPS is doing such great work with the, you know, FDA trials with MDMA that, I feel like it's becoming more socially acceptable. There was a period in my life, though, before before I started traveling to Peru is when I kept really quiet about everything. I didn't really mention to people that I was, would do psychedelics. It was just, you know, my partner and I, my friends and I, and it was a totally separate life until the big shift started to happen. And I realized how much I've been transformed and that people needed to hear about this. Yeah. And then, then when you started sharing it, you, you noticed that there wasn't a whole lot of pushback because they saw the differences. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a real key. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, 
what would you say is important for somebody to to have a good experience with the medicines? What what things do you see that are important? I mean, you've talked about specific to ayahuasca, the you know dieta and, and the preparation leading up to that. I think a lot of us, that's our first experience with really really preparing for a journey is, is going through the ayahuasca preparation. But in general, outside of a 300 hit thing of, tacit, of acid, in general, what would, what would you say is important for somebody to have a, a good experience with psychedelics? I think it's just about being open, being open to whatever comes up, whether it be pleasant or unpleasant, knowing that you're going to get to the other side and, you know, be a new person, see things in a new way, and you're not alone through that process. How do you stay open? You know, it can be, it can be a scary experience, right? I mean, especially um, when the medicine starts to take effect and one can feel it, and it's kind of like the, the roller coaster taking off, and it's like, well, here we go. How do, how do, you, do you have any recommendations for people to kind of keep their, their mind and their heart open to the experience as opposed to shutting it down, you know, from fear or, or anything, any other thing that would interfere? I mean, that it definitely takes its time and it's about being gentle with yourself through that fear and, you know, just remembering that, um, you know, staying open and trusting this process. Trust is, is the biggest thing throughout all of this. And it, it gets easier in time and that's why it's a good thing to kind of stick with it and know that if this is a path you're feeling called to healing, that it will work out for the best, that you have curanderos, you have facilitators, you have a, a wide range of community around you to support you through it. Um, during ceremony, something that helps me through fear is mapacho, which is mm. jungle, it's a jungle tobacco, nicotina rustica. It's really good for clearing energies within yourself, around you, and, you know, you, ha you have the allies of the plants. Yeah. Um, what about intentions? I know with, with ayahuasca, it seems to be pretty big with going into the ceremony with an intention. What, what's, your, what's your opinion on when somebody's going into this and having an intention? I think it's very important, very mm. important have an intention and whether or not you see the fruits of that intention from that single ceremony, um, it will, it could take years, but the fact that it's been set, sometimes you might have to work through other things to get to that intention, but just holding it in your heart, you will get there in time. Okay. Wow. That's beautiful. I never thought about that. I think a lot of times you think, Oh, here's my intention. I want to forgive myself, you know, drink the cup of medicine, why am I not fixed? You know, I think there's like some of that immediacy in hearing that it can take a long time and just kind of plant that intention seed and, and put that in there is, is the way to go and the way to start. Absolutely. It's definitely about planting the seed. And, you know, I learned that through trial and error. I went into ceremonies similarly to you wanting to see my mother who had passed away. And mm. that was my intention for my first handful of ceremonies. And I realized a couple of years later that the intention that I was planting was really to try and heal the loss of her, to mm. try and understand what my life is like without her, how I can carry her with me. And it's not always so cut and dry, but these intentions, they, they just, they grow into, you know, 
bigger needs for healing. Yeah. Yeah. And it always seems like our intention, it's almost like we don't know our intention as well as the medicine does. You know, it says, okay, I get it. This is what you want, but I, I need to show you these layers first. Absolutely. Yeah. The medicine's very wise, wiser than we could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they sure are. All right, Caitlin, what else? Is, is there anything I didn't ask you? What, what else is on your mind in terms of psychedelics that you want to get out there? Um, you know, there's not too much else besides, you know, if you are feeling the call in any kind of way, if you're feeling unsupported, that there, there's always community, that you're always held through the medicine, through the people that are surrounding you, and, you know, yeah. each other grow. Yeah. So if you feel, if you feel the call, the tug at your heart, find, find your community. Absolutely. There's, there's people there for you. Well, that's, that's beautiful. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for taking your time to, to share your story with everybody. I'm really grateful that you took the time to do this and uh, what an amazing story. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to have been here today. That concludes this edition of the Stoned Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening, and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.